Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey there, beautiful people. I'm Hope Balfa, your IGC life coach, and I'm here to guide you on a transformative journey like no other. The Breakup Baddie is the ultimate podcast for those who are ready to break free from the shackles of bad habits, limiting mindsets, and one-sided relationships. All right, everyone. Welcome to The Breakup Baddie. This is your IGC coach, Hope Balfa, and I have a very special guest with me today, Tony Shelton. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm loving this view we have here now at Rogue Media. We're on the 21st floor of the Alico building, and it's a really cool view of our city. Yeah. Never been up here before. So um, I'll read just a little bit about you from your bio on your website, but okay. then you can tell us more because I'm sure this does not cover it all. But so Tony is, I'm sorry, Tony Shelton is a social worker, author, poet, facilitator, and conversationalist. She has successfully published two volumes of poetry, In Search of Freedom in 2021 and Identity Crisis in 2022, both of which are literature which amplify and narrate the experiences of marginalized and oppressed people. Tony ex has experience in facilitating small and medium groups, has curated and moderated panels, and has been a spoken word artist for over a decade. She is vastly interested in creating spaces of belonging for professionals and is adept at illustrating the intersection of art and equity via public speaking opportunities in which she leverages her poems to get people to think critically about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. She has works published in Interfaith Magazine and contributes to her blog, In Search of Freedom, created when Tony was pursuing her master's in social work. <laughs> Welcome, Tony. Wow, like who is that that you who just talked that? about? That's you, girl. That's, That's you. Wow. I know I heard you and Mike talking about speaking engagements when I walked in. Yeah. Have you been doing some of those lately? Yeah, actually, I'm uh, tomorrow I'm going to open up a play called Mama's Daughters in Dallas. Um, that's uh, Yeah, so I'll be opening it up, sharing a poem to kind of set the tone uh, for the theme of the play, and then mm -hmm. I get to vend some of my products. So I'm excited about that. Always yeah. traveling to Dallas makes me happy. I know. Meeting new people. So it's just good to get out. I yeah. mean, I love Waco for certain reasons, but it's good to get out yeah. for these other reasons, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, beautiful. Awesome. Um, I mean, if I'd have known ahead of time, maybe I could have made that trip. Next, oh. let me know next time because I'll take any good reason to get, especially for some art and poetry and acting. And yeah, I got cool. a couple gigs coming up in September as well. And so I'll be sure to yeah, keep tell you posted. Us that. Where are they going to be at? Yeah. So uh, there'll be a Harambe event mm -hmm. that's uh, put together by Jeanette Bell and some other pretty cool change makers in the community. And so I'm actually on program to do some poetry both nights. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I also speak in churches, so I actually have a gig Sunday uh, upcoming. Um, it's for a ladies' day, right? And so I, I, I wrote something specific uh, to encourage the women mm -hmm. in the religious sector. You know, a lot of things. Women mm -hmm. keep a lot of things going. You know this. Mm -hmm. I'm preaching to the choir. And so <laughs> it, when people ask me, hey, can you write and read something specifically about this? I'm like, yes. Any Anytime it has to do with girl power, pro women, I'm all yeah. for that. Good. I love that you get to do that. You're actually, because um, it's one thing to set out and be like, this is what I want to do. But like, you're actually having those things lined up and you're getting to do it out in the community. And 
for you y'all could you check out um will you have it on your website or your social media to find the yeah i usually will post things and that's a that is something i'm learning too being mm -hmm. mindful of just letting people know where you are but yeah. also i'm a regular person i don't have security yes, right. <laughs> so it's just like um also like my dad was just like hey you need to be mindful of mm -hmm. you know putting things out and letting people know where you are that's ahead a of hard time. balance it is yeah because you want to get people excited i'm like mm. if i could have gone to school for anything else it would have probably been like mass communications or public relations journalism something like that yeah um because i love leveraging the media mm. uh, to get people excited about what's yeah. coming you know and i tell so many of my friends that are poets creatives artists and things like that i'm like hey are you leveraging your tiktok are you leveraging instagram are you on facebook Oof. what does your website look like you know because these yes. are conversations somebody had to have with me mm -hmm. like how do we know about you girl you don't have a linkedin yeah um you know so it's just like okay i know i needed to hear that thank you for i know okay. i know <laughs> like we're gonna get together because you I got know. to have platforms to get people excited get I the know. people going so i know so what's the best way for people to reach you or to see what you're up to yeah, the best way, ooh, goodness. So I would say it's a tie. My Facebook and my Instagram pretty much keeps up with like yeah. the events okay, and um, whether it's pre, during, or post. I like to get a picture. I like to put together videos good. and do reels. Um, and I also will use my TikTok. I don't think I'm the best with that. Same. But yeah, my Facebook and my Instagram have my email and my contact information on them if people want to stay in contact. And your with Instagram, me. it's better watch your tone. Better watch your tone. How I speak to myself matters the most. And better watch your tone is actually the name of my LLC. So. Oh. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Look yeah. at you. And it's cute because it works with your name and everything. <laughs> yeah, a little narcissistic, but y'all don't judge me. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's confident. It's not narcissistic. I like that confidence. I was um, going over, I had read through about half of this whenever I first got it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like all the other good books that I meant to finish is on my nightstand. And so I picked it up some more today and I was like, man, this is so good. Her book, it's called In Search of Freedom. It's a compilation of just some poetry that she's done. And but every I was like in some way, shape, or form, I think I highlighted something on every single page. Wow. Because I mean it's so relatable to for one, strong women, um, anybody who just feels the need to step outside of the box that yeah. society puts us in. Mm -hmm. And then people who are conscious and aware of like the oppressive systems and what it's doing to the people in our community and like you speak from it firsthand, you yeah. know. And then I like how you also, I think there's one part where you mentioned something about being in the, like we hide in closets and we hide in this, like just different yeah. ways we have to hide ourselves. Yeah. And I was like, man, so many people can relate to your work, you know, um, because if they're part of any type of marginalized population or if they just have a personality that is like, <laughs> you said one on one poem, you said, uh, like, you don't know how much I wish that I liked conformity. <laughs> Sometimes I wish that I was satisfied with yeah. following the rules. And it's hard, but it's hard that we're yeah. just not built that way. Yeah. So you give voice, uh, or you, you amplify the voice of the, of the people who otherwise aren't so eloquent with their words, you know. And I had to check myself on that, too. I love that you referenced um, that piece of that poem because I also was walking around with a little bit of a superiority complex, like really sitting in judgment of people that were playing by the rules right. and making sure that they were taking care of, quote unquote, business so that they could, you know, live a decent life for themselves and mm. for other people. And I had to have like a come to uh, several come to Jesus moments. <laughs> other people had them with me and I had to have them with myself because we're all operating here with our own set of perspectives, with things that have happened to us, right, that have shaped and molded who we are. And if I'm encouraging people to fall in love with themselves and to live boldly, that boldly may be. I need people in my circle that are going to be like, hey, Tony, did you read the rules on that? Like, 
Mm. Oh, maybe you shouldn't say this here. Like, oh, let's be strategic, right? Yeah, I strategic. need people that are going to not necessarily take away my voice or, you know, make me feel like I don't have a backbone, but also are going to look out for my interests and play the long game, long right? Because we can lose a lot of battles in mm. this in this journey towards advocating for needs and finding passion and speaking up for those that can't speak for themselves. You can lose a lot of battles that you tucker yourself out. And so then when you're really trying to make an impact and, or make a change, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, and you're not in your head. I know, yes, I know the, girl. I know just a tidbit, but, mm. and again, I appreciate you because from what I've observed, you've always been someone that's not been afraid to advocate, um, mm. not been afraid to use your voice, not been afraid to go against the grain, right? Mm. To, I mean, so just shameless plug, way, but yeah. to go rogue, right? Go rogue. Hashtag rogue <laughs> media. <laughs> you know, you've been someone that's not afraid to do that. And I know the sacrifice that comes yeah. with that. Yeah. And it can make life very difficult a lot of the time. Yeah, you're right. And but you're you it's a it's a lot of truth though whenever you said speaking about the superiority complex or for me it was like a disappointment, like a yeah. perpetual just frustration and disappointment and um because I always believe that other people had the capacity to do the same thing that I did mm -hmm. um but then that's when I had to realize that some people we're all playing different roles in this in this world and and I'm not necessarily asking everybody to be on the front lines but I'm asking them at least to consider why they believe what they believe mm -hmm. or just to to consider um who their actions might impact or stuff like that. But with that being said, the piece where you said where people are like just doing work, they need to get work done to make sure they can live comfortably mm -hmm. or whatever, at least like pay their bills. Right. Like I get it. You know, once I'm here with my two young children, single mom life, um, I do, we do co-parent, but that means 50, 50. That means like mm -hmm. my income is my income, his is his. And, um, so basically half the time, I, I operate like a single woman, like, you know, yeah. I can go move around. But then in reality, I think a lot of people forget about me is I do, I, I do have those kids half the time that when I go out and chase these dreams or whenever I go out and advocate or do things that require a lot of sacrifice and cost, like it comes at a cost to them too. And so it's finding that balance with like, I'm yes, starting to understand a lot of why, like the long game right now, I need to invest in my financial stability. Yes, I need to invest in um, my businesses and everything like that, because what good am I to the community if I'm suffering alongside you? I mean, that's kind of been glorified, I think, in some um, Christian circles where, you know, I appreciate people who are willing to live in the community and to um, experience poverty alongside others and whatever. But like, I want to help people out of poverty. I want to mm -hmm. help people access. I want to be that bridge for that bridging capital where mm -hmm. if they know me, then they have a connection to a better job or something else like that while I'm changing this, while we're breaking down these systems that, that are creating this dynamic. But I was like, what? I'm literally falling apart without any money and without any yeah. stability. How my mental health was, was, was taking a hit and that just makes it, then I can't even, I can't even do any advocacy if I'm not mentally well. And you mm -hmm. have to be honest, right? So I am not married, right? And mm -hmm. we understand the way that society is set. One of my really, really good friends and little sister, Alexis Dion Hooker, will talk about how men um, have capital and agency in our society. Mm -hmm. Whether that's right or wrong, we understand that there's there are just a lot of things in this mm -hmm. life that make men succeeding financially, uh, access to resources, just it just makes it a, a bit easier for them. So by yeah. nature, us identifying right as women, yeah. our proximity to them a lot of the time determines how yes. successful we can be, right? Facts. And so I had to 
I had to be mature and understand that though I'm not married, my parents are very much so helpful. They very much so support me. I have a lot of networks and a lot of bases and I have a full time job that is flexible enough, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right, to allow me to do my job, but also allow me to have the freedom on the weekends, right, and outside of work time to create the life of my dreams. Everyone doesn't have that opportunity, but I do have a steady income. And so with my steady income, I've been able to leverage that and self-publish my books, right? I can put gas in the car, right, and do (laughs) pro bono work up until a certain point, pay the artist, hashtag pay the artist. Yes, pay Um, the artist. But also at the same time, it is like, because I have sacrificed, right? And that's what a lot of this I feel like we're talking about on your show, yeah. and I love it. Yeah. It's about sacrifice because yeah. me going to work five days a week, while, yes, that is capital to fuel my dreams, time is our greatest asset. Stay it that. is our greatest resource. Yeah. And so if I'm giving 40-plus hours somewhere else, I'm also sacrificing being a good businesswoman, being the greatest artist that I can be. Because while I'm at work, right. working on professional development opportunities, fundraising and things like that, another artist is rehearsing for their show. Say that. So it's just like it all comes with sacrifice. And at the choice. end of the day, you have to be willing what hill, my dad says all the time, what hill do you want to die on? Like, <laughs> what is the thing where it's like, you know what? If it all goes down, I'm going down with this. Yeah. And it's trial and error, right? There are some things when we were 20 that it was just like, yeah, I'm down for all the causes. I'm yes. in college. I think I want to be a social worker. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Now that I'm 30 and I've lived and I've experienced, it's like, oh, Tony needs to have a job so that when she goes to the food box on Sunday, <laughs> she can pay for her meal and support Dominique Rocco Bolts. Yeah. Chief. Right. I needed to have a job so that I could fund support some of others. their dreams and support yes. others. Right. If I'm not making any money, then I can't help them fund their oh, dreams. No. And likewise, you know, so it's just yeah. it's this big circle. Yeah. And I started seeing I think when I saw more examples of philanthropists doing it the right way mm-hmm. that inspired me because I was like, because of that philanthropist, we got a grant that yep. enabled us to do our work. And I was like, you know what, even though it, it's far and few between that I've seen those, it was like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And yeah. so I, I had to. I had to communicate with God and the universe and say, I am no longer afraid of making money. I'm not afraid Mm. of wealth. I'm not afraid of it because I trust my own integrity. Yeah. It's like I had to, it's weird, but how long did it take me for me to sit down and be like, why am I worried about if other people trust my integrity? I put my skin in the game. I'm 37 years old mm-hmm. and um, I'm a known activist and like my security, my safety, everything, you know, there's a reason why I have cameras everywhere inside and outside of every building where I stay. Yeah. Um, just, you heard <laughs> just in yeah, case anybody's no, listening. Yeah. Um, because you know, it's risky business, but, on the other hand, I was like, I want to give micro loans to people. I want to, I want to be that person who like, just because others may, a few others may judge me, but oh, she lost touch with the community. Oh, she doesn't relate to us anymore. There's going to be a, a lot of people who'd be like, man, she helped me out with micro loan. Now I got my own business. Like, yeah. you know, so you can't be a people. I was still in some way in the back of my mind, even though I got people out of people pleasing mm-hmm. from like, I left, you know, Western Christianity and, and the fundamentalist church and all that organized religion really. And then also I had to choose like to leave or to transition our marriage into like a co-parenting relationship. Um, that was hard. That was a sacrifice. But then, and I was like, I can't make everybody else happy at the cost of my own well-being. Well, then I didn't even realize that still in the back of my mind, a lot of my work was still people pleasing, um, or the motivation, the motive was because it was the right and good and true thing to do. Mm -hmm. But what motivated me was like, to, to push as hard as I did relentlessly was like, I was still trying to prove something. Yeah. And so I was like, no, I have nothing. To, and I think maybe it just took this long for me to go like, 
No, I, th- I think I've done my, my time, and which I'm not stopping at all, but I'm resting. Like, I need a rest. Yeah, that's important. So. But when you say all of the greats, for the most part, have something to prove or that proverbial like chip mm-hmm. on their shoulder, because mm-hmm. it's like it does take, I think, some sense of like insecurity, frustration, you know, being overlooked, uh, but like being intentional of channeling that energy to dr- that drive. Yeah. Right. And we would hope in a perfect world, it's like, oh, the drive comes from wholeness and wellness and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. That's but it's I'm like, moving. I'm going there. I'm heading there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I do think that's healthy. I also right. think that a lot of people, a lot of the quote unquote greats, the people that have achieved great mm. things in this lifetime, they are operating from a place of a chip on their shoulder, feeling inadequate. Right. Mm-hmm. And so because they have felt inadequate in the past, they're yeah. like, I'm going to go above and beyond and do everything to mm. make sure that other people don't feel mm-hmm. the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Your pain can fuel you and yeah. it can get to a point where it's like, yeah, my pain fuels me mm-hmm. but my car is also about to break down because i put <laughs> okay, 400,000 that gas tank. yeah it's not filling the gas tank like my my engine is about literally about to explode because yeah. i've done x yeah. y and z but i haven't taken care of me and it is taking care of the small things like revolution does start with mm-hmm. with you being an activist you raising your children appropriately with love and care and giving them the time that they need that's a revolution in itself heck yes I, and i it's like over the years transitioning to that inner revolution that mm-hmm. that the healing so now you know i own a dance fitness studio okay. and turn up waco and Come what's on, going on there Waco. yeah and then what's happening there is like a microcosm like it's it's me and the women in my life how we operate how we think how we just relate to each other with just like radical self-acceptance and like body positivity moving your body because you love it because it's fun um that kind of stuff it's happening in turn of Waco and then I'm doing life coaching on top of that so I get to actually Wonderful. walk them through like transformation because therapy kind of gets you to one place but then it's like moving forward let's strategically mm-hmm. plan how you're going to get to your, your goals um but then looking back i was like i also see that i realized the that revolution has to start from within like i have yeah. to heal internally so that other people can heal because i can ask people to come show up at every protest and everything but if their nervous system is shot if they are overstimulated, if they are tired if they are worn out like I feel wrong asking people to because because I was I was intentionally avoiding like I do not um, get disappointed whenever it's women of color or people who have been fighting their whole life just to be safe or just to be left alone. Like I didn't get mad when those people didn't show up. I got mad when people that look like me didn't show up. Okay. So I was like, why aren't you here? Okay. But then I realized we all have different traumas. We all have different things we've gone through in our lives, regardless of what we look like or we you know what income level we have. And so I was like, maybe if I can help people heal their nervous system or if I can help them cope with their feelings in a healthy way maybe we'll just have more space to show up for community conversations maybe we'll just be like not so because because I started to feel like I don't want to go anywhere I'm worn out um my my energy is too sensitive I'm sensitive to other people's energies and I was like I wonder if this is how a lot of other people feel Mm -hmm. like they don't just show up to things just because it's just like too much it's too much stimulation it's too Uh much and I was like oh if I'm feeling that way and I need to make space in my life. And like, like my nervous system was like adrenal fatigue, everything. I was like, maybe there's other women out there who if I just help them heal, create space, say no when they need to say no, set boundaries, find their voice, then I'm not going to be at the school board meeting by myself, you know, yeah. talking to the board. I'm going to have 10 ladies with me who are all ready because they're energized. 
you know, and it's just like I had to stop working from the outside in mm-hmm. and realize work that we had to work from the inside out. Yeah. But it's long game, though, because right now we're seeing tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, especially after George Floyd was killed and everything else that happened leading up to that and after where it's like, we got to fix it now. Mm-hmm. So I was, I'm not going to sit around. But I'm like, no, but you are being proactive because you're helping people heal. And then that's long game because those people, when the time comes, they'll be able to step up, whether it's just for their own kid in school, mm-hmm. somewhere in the workplace, they see somebody being treated wrong. They mm-hmm. finally speak up. You know, I want those little changes to happen um, because in reality, I feel like witnessing my, my friends go through like microaggressions day after day after day mm-hmm. is like as destructive on their mental health and their, and their, and their self-esteem or everything else as like these big policies that come down. Mm-hmm. It's like, so let's, let's talk about the micro things that y- y'all are going through every day. How can we make just, just better people, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but yeah. that's just, that's just where I'm at today. Yeah. But I want to go back and talk about your, um, where are you from? Tell us like, what city did you grow up in and did you did you always want to be a social worker and who who kind of shaped you and raised you and all that yeah so i grew up um in colleen texas so central texas right up the road i did not always want to be a social worker um <laughs> i definitely wanted to be famous when i was a child uh, i really liked beyonce and destiny's child uh still do today mm-hmm. um definitely was coming of age to bills 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 and independent women and things of that nature which has probably shaped the tra- trajectory of my life now <laughs> at my big age of 31. Um, but i just was blessed to have good people around me right my parents are my best friends i'm an only child um, and they devoted a lot of their relationship to parenting me i always got the support and so um, i would always say that they encouraged me being multifaceted so i have a background in theater um, i love to act right shocker there uh, but not disciplined <laughs> enough to memorize lines right so that's a shortcoming understanding um, I was also on the drill team, uh, mm-hmm. sophomore year through senior year, uh, end up being an officer and not the drill team with like rifles, but like cowgirl hats, kick your hat, Ooh. you know, dancing, things like that. I've danced forever in middle school. I was on the dance team and I played basketball. I was pretty decent at basketball high school. I ended up having to make a choice. And that was, I think high school having to choose dance was the first time that I was really faced with like, oh, people really don't want you to be multifaceted. Like they really want you to focus on one thing and lock in. And I think that's great, right? As I'm coming of age and I'm I'm making a lot of mistakes and growing and surrounding myself with friends that are growing and trying to love on them and them loving on me, um, I have come to find that, yeah, I think that we're very productive when we zone in on one thing um, and, and really get that one thing going right. So like get good at one thing, huh? Mm-hmm. But then branch out. Uh, I also understand that some of us came here with just a lot of different skill sets and tools um, and that don't limit yourself, I think is a big thing. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I have an avid teacher. Her name was uh, Miss Anjanette Wilkerson, who told me that I was going to be Oprah one day, um, who very much like encouraged my big mouth. Right. And so I I had a I was bullied in elementary school, which my new book, No One's Coming to Save You, is going to tap into that. I was a desk kid. I was weird. Kids made fun of me. Um, I was like a little bookworm. Like, it just wasn't really cool at the time for mm-hmm. the things that I was interested in. It wasn't cool. And that's why I, lo- I love the, this younger generation because they do seem more open to people being whole humans. 
Then by the time I got to middle school, I was good at sports. So that put me in a social group by default. And I think that kind of opened up me to having friends. Uh, but I was always a weirdo. I always had the gift of gab. I was, I was still wanting to sit up under the desk, just knew that it wasn't socially <laughs> acceptable to do so. Um, and so when someone saw me and said like, hey, you're going to be Oprah. Can you look into Oprah, right? Look into Maya Angelou. Read some of her works. Yeah. Um, affirming just like wow you write really well you speak really well you're very entertaining um and so then getting to high school doing theater so I competed in pros and made it all the way to regionals my senior year while being on the drill team uh I read the book Esperanza Rising um which at the time was like pretty um I thought it was pretty cool I had an excerpt from that and I just remember thinking like wow I'm around all these students and they're, they're reading books. And it's like, I really enjoy this, huh? And then it was just like, reality sets in. Where are you going to college? Baylor's up mm. the street. I really didn't want to go. Spellman wrote me. Howard wrote me. All these places outside of Texas wrote yeah. me. And I just was like, no, I can't leave home. Mm. Signed up going to Baylor and bumped around five years for undergrad and got into a grad program because uh, someone mentioned to me that they thought I was good with people. Um, and they also wanted <laughs> Funny me. Funny how that happens. Right. They were like, you're good with people. You're always like writing about things. And like I had advocated for someone to try to get some more financial aid and had like gone to the, at the time, president. And so she was like, those types of skill sets, I think you would like social work. Her husband was a social worker. And so I always joke and say, when people bring up social work, I was like, you mean like Mariah Carey and Precious? Because Mariah Carey wasn't very cute and precious. Like, she looked real stressed. And so I had a very limited, I had a limited, like, how, right. how students are coming to school now and they're like, oh, yeah, I knew I wanted to be a social worker. I was like, how did you know what a social worker was? I didn't even know was? what a social worker was. Yeah, that in itself I think is privileged because it's just like, I knew that I knew what I thought I knew was like, okay, taking people, removing children from homes when things were not the best. Mm -hmm. Right. But as far as knowing that people work for nonprofits and start their own foundations and their counselors and therapists, and that I actually was seeing a social worker right in elementary school when I used to have to go lay down on her floor and she would ask me questions. Homegirl was a LMSW, you know, so it's like, yeah. So anyway, that's the little origin story. Bumped around Waco, end up getting a job. (laughs) <laughs> at a local middle school running an after school program then stuck my foot in project management so that was like grant reporting and managing and budgets and supervising and things of that nature Gosh. and then transitioning on to the nonprofit that I'm honored and blessed to work with now um to support the adults that support uh the children on our nice. campuses where are you at now so i'm at communities and schools heart CIS. of texas awesome. yep cis so we have had a lot of similar things i was like i yeah same didn't know what a social worker was until i came to waco as a summer intern at mission waco and john singletary had a table set up at some some uh i think it was that the mission waco does a conference every no need among you was like a conference i think okay. and the school social work had a table up and he's like, Hey, what's your name? Talk to me. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm transferring to Baylor to be a teacher. Cause I came from Houston from Louisiana. And so I was like, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a middle school teacher because I wanted to help kids. F- funny story. My eighth grade language arts teacher is the one who nurtured my creative writing and she would get my stuff published and everything. But my parents divorced when I was eight. And then there was like a lot of toxicity and then like abuse later on. And then, but, but writing was my coping, outlet. my mm-hmm. outlet. And she saw that. And so as an adult, I looked back and I was like, she saved my life. Like that saved my life having that outlet, I think. And then, so I was like, well, I want to go to school to be a eighth grade language arts teacher. Cause I want to teach kids creative writing. Yeah. And so I did the first two years at Lone Star college when I finally decided to go to college at 21. And, um, whenever I transferred here, 
Singletary, he convinced me. He's like, no, I think you really want to be a social worker. And I was like, what is a social worker? Yeah. It's like, we, you get paid to help people? Essentially, like, yeah. What? Yeah. But, you know, that's the glamorized version of it because yeah. you get paid very little to work a <laughs> whole lot. And so that um, that was, yeah, I fumbled around for about five years undergrad. And then somebody mentioned, you know, it was – I got into policy work when my ex-husband was almost deported. Um, that was a very it's international news. You can look it up. Um, if you look up my name and immigration, um, we fought a very public battle to get okay. him to stay here. But that was my – I got thrown in the deep end when it came to policy because before that, my privilege was that the only time I ever saw police or that they were in our lives was, like, when it was warranted, when my daddy needed to be arrested. I'm like – Come get him, please. Yeah. So um, other than that, because we were mostly rural, came into the city a little bit, but it was like, I, I just, it just, Lafayette was just different. Um, we just didn't, didn't see the police a lot. I'm sure on the north side maybe, uh, mm-hmm. but I was in a very mixed income area. And so whenever I realized the economics of poverty and then I came to Waco and I started learning about uh, poverty and um, just, I saw it from the Mission Waco lens and I, I was learning about like, colonizing things like that and then um fast forward where whenever my ex-husband was picked up randomly one morning because a felony that he pled guilty to four years earlier had violated his green card and he didn't know he'd gone through recovery treatment he was mission waco's poster child for their treatment center and um lo and behold ice shows up and they're like oh by the way we're supposed to deport you wow and so he goes to a detention center and i'm like what is a detention center what is ice what is your plea deal violated your green card. Why did nobody tell you that? Like, and all of a sudden, I went deep diving into policy, and that's when I learned about the truths of the criminal justice system, the statistics, the disparities, the school to prison pipeline. Like, yeah. 2011 was just thrown in the deep end, and then that's when I decided I don't think I want to do school social work anymore. I think I want to do policy. Okay. I want to do community practice. I want to because I got involved in the Dream Act and like immigration okay. stuff, and so organizing people. I got addicted to just like how amazing it feels when you come together and you believe in something that's impossible because his case was impossible and somehow some way using it was like I was an organizer without even knowing it I just I just innately was like who do we need to talk to who's the person in power who can influence them like what are the holes in this so it was like criminal the defense side and immigration and um once we won I think the universe knew what that I needed that because I needed that win because that's what, when he came home from detention 10 months later, I wanted everybody else to win. I was like, let's fight all these immigration cases. Yeah. Let's fight all these criminal defense yeah. cases. Because, like, when you see what it's like to come together as a community, because we were up against the Department of Homeland Security, but that was during the Obama era, mm-hmm. whenever you could appeal to their conscience and be like, look, he's a good man, he's reformed, but da 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 And they were like, reason, you know, ICE, the field office was more reasonable um, back then, but a couple years later it was the Trump administration and it was like all this hope and everything I had from when Obama was president and just thinking like appealing to the the conscious of people and like we had people across the aisle that were like Republican Democrat and they were like well he's a changed man so like why did he deserves a second chance those same people are singing a different tune these days and so like this the disenchantment like the discouragement and I think that's what took a toll so much was just seeing um, I needed that win motivated me for years I was like I want everybody else to win but then as society changed and people's behaviors and stuff changed I was like okay I need to come at this from a different angle because it can't be about the winning for people because a lot of people out here losing these Mm -hmm. battles Mm -hmm. so how can I help people sustain through the pain so I had to go through a whole spiritual journey of like learning to sit with pain Mm -hmm. and not run from it and all that I mean so Mm -hmm. much of 
in this, like you, you hit on some powerful y'all. If y'all, if you don't have in search of freedom by Bob Leftfoot, you <laughs> need to go name. get it. Yes. <laughs> God, even like, un, we're talking about, um, the boogeyman and yeah. how it's, it's never in the closet. The boogeyman's unrequited love, anxiety about change, addiction, compliance with others' expectations. Mm-hmm. Like you talk about recovery in here. You talk about just so much that I think a lot of us are running from. And if we would just break up, the break up adding, if we would just be willing <laughs> right. to break up with like the old version of ourselves or even the old vision we had for our lives mm-hmm. or the loyalty we felt we had to have towards certain people, mm-hmm. like the break up baddie is about like <clears throat> destigmatizing the idea of a breakup. Like it's not, it's not wrong for you to change your mind about something or yeah. j- just change who you are. So, um, what, what's, what's significant breakups like with, um, whether it's a mindset, a group of friends, a church or anything like what do you feel like has been one of the major quote breakups in your life that has uh, just like helped you walk into like wholeness and fullness and something you had to like let go of or shift or anything? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say this season right here has been very hard, maybe the last year or two. So I guess maybe in the back of a lot of uh, hetero women's minds based off of like how Disney, you know, I was a big Disney girl. So I loved all the, all of the classics. Right. Um, But then watching a lot of the TV shows. And so thinking I'd be married and thinking I'd have children and like all the wonderful, allegedly things (laughs) like allegedly wonderful things that come with that. And I do agree having friends that are married and in relationships with children and seeing them embrace motherhood and being a partner and all the beauty and resiliency and everything in the middle that comes with that. I do. That is something I think I desire one day, but I had to break up with timelines or I'm currently like in the process of breaking up with timelines because, you know, being 31 and being, where I am physically um, and still being single is just like, it was really bothering me, I think. Um, And still like now I'm not even going to admit and say like, oh, it doesn't bother me anymore. But it's just like, yes, as more people get engaged and more people get married and, and just friend groups change, dynamics change, the energy that people once had to put into things, they don't have it anymore because they are building things with people. I think I just had to break up with this, um, vision for my life that I was married to, I had to get a divorce and mm. understand that what God has for me is, is bigger than even what I could imagine. You know, I, I didn't see, you know, I think back to all that he's blessed me with. Cause I am a believer and it's like, okay, well you're about to put out your third book and mm. you are gaining success as a, um, spoken word artist, but also a public speaker and communicator. And, you know, you have curated Safe Space Sunday, which is a community conversation. And, you know, y'all did do a, a banquet and, you know, just like little things that have happened that it's like, okay, that was not anything that I thought that I would do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just like breaking up with my limited idea of success, I guess, would be the overall thing. Like I need my hanky. Where's my, where's my white hanky? I was like, <laughs> yeah, Preach. divorcing myself from like my limited version of, of success. And so, understanding that a lot of the women that I was looking at on social media are much older than me. They're Mm -hmm. much further along in their journey professionally and personally. And like being in love with the process, girl, I hate it. I probably would be so much better as a person if I would have embraced practice, practice, process. Those are the words that have been going through my head. Like fall in love with practicing, fall in love with the process. If you do the practice, if you practice, 
if you embrace the process Mm -hmm. when it's time for the camera when it's time for the microphone when it's time to perform right you'll be ready and for me it's just like i'm a ham that's my family she's a ham so it's like lights camera action let's go Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's like yeah like maybe you're great maybe you're mediocre maybe you're good but like how awesome would you be if you actually would commit to the process yes. and it's just like ah uh, you we want the big lights but it's just like we didn't see what hope had to do to get to the breakup baddie and to get to yeah. the multiple businesses right. and to get to being a decent mom and to get mm. to feeling good about herself right we just see you on social media yeah. and that's another thing i had to divorce myself i think from watching social media so much i put things out and i want to continue to put things out and i hope that there are things that don't necessarily drive like envy or insecurity, but more so just like motivation and inspiration. Right. So you're going to see me saying like, let me tell y'all something. And it's usually a word of encouragement, or I may show a performance that I'm doing, or I may talk about a book that I've read recently. And here's some of the things that I've taken away, but it's all about trying to coach people and get them excited about their own personal journey um, and falling in love with practicing in the process. So good like I told my kids they were playing soccer for the first time ever this season wonderful and they would just show up and then try to be you know soccer stars yeah, amazing and I'm like, like that's not good. how it works and they were the best on their team <laughs> yeah but I was like but also y'all scored zero points yeah so I was like imagine how much better with practice and I, I don't know what it is I think genetics and partly tr- you know our traumas and things where it's kind of like the motivation is the spotlight. It's like, you don't understand, like it takes some level of discipline in the, in the silence or in the, in the dark, in the background to you're practicing when no one's watching. Yeah. And so you have to have that trust in the process where you know that practice is going to make you better, Mm -hmm. but then also being able to hold your, like, do you really want to be the greatest version of yourself? If you want it that bad and you know that the practice is what's going to get you there. But if you're struggling to do the practice, um, either you're in denial about the fact that you're not already perfect or you don't really even want the thing, that thing that bad or you're just like standing in your own way and you're just in this yeah. cycle where you're like, why can't I be the better version of myself? And it's like, well, are you are you willing to do the work when no one's watching? And then you have to address that. There's a sense of loneliness, I think, yeah. when we're doing things by ourselves, when we're yeah. practicing. Yeah. You're a, most of the time you're alone when you yeah. practice, yeah. whether it's the piano, whether uh-huh. it's your acting or anything. Yeah. And so I had to address my loneliness mm-hmm. that because I want to be with people. I want to whenever I do the things I love, I want to be with people when I'm doing it. But whenever I'm practicing choreography for turn up. I'm by myself in that studio and being alone in a dance studio brings up a lot of emotions. I'm like, I'm getting choked up right now because like at five years old, I loved to dance. And I was like you where I was in uh, music, I was in sports Mm -hmm. and then I was in music. And then like, they made me choose in high school, which one you're going to do. And so I chose show choir, but dance, the actual, like the art of dance, like ballet, tap jazz, all that. I got at five years old, got cut off because like it was so expensive. Yeah. We went to one season, the costumes and everything. My mom's like, babe, we can't do it. It's just yeah. too expensive. And I remember the day standing in that, that field, looking at that little building, realizing like I wasn't ever going back. And yeah. there's something in me like, that's where, you know, there's parts of us that kind of break off or different timelines yeah. that different versions of ourselves have lived. And I feel like my inner child in that moment, there's something about money that was implanted in my mind right there about it being not accessible to me or people like me. Um, and then for, for two, it was, uh, that I would never again approach dance solo because I had so much grief about Mm -hmm. like missing out on like with something as a five-year-old, I didn't realize, but I felt like it was a calling. And so when I opened up my studio, 
on January 1st. I think it was like oh, right before, yeah, right before I went, like, because I'm thinking dance, fitness, and I'm thinking health, wellness, uh, community. Like, I'm just thinking of all, sorry, the social side of it and how to benefit other people and how fun it is. But when I was alone, like right before the studio opened, and I was standing there looking around, and I was like, I'm in a dance studio. Like, this is like mirrored walls, wood floors. Because I think I was avoiding, I'm thinking fitness the whole time. I'm thinking wellness. Whole, but I'm like, Hope, you are, your five-year-old, I'm standing in there in the middle of the floors, and I, I can like, if I wanted to, I could twirl around, I could leap, I can jump. I had longed to be in a studio, to be a dancer my whole life. And here I was standing in the middle of this, by myself, just with my arms by my side, just not doing nothing. I was like, why aren't you, you are alone in your own studio. Why aren't you dancing? And it was like just dancing alone. I, I just had, I had to grieve. I had to grieve all the, like you said in one here, like the, we we don't talk about how many people are grieving a life that they thought they wanted or that they were meant to have. Yeah. And that never came to fruition. And so I did. And then I had to, I had to deal with the lie that like at 37, I can't pursue something with that same passion I would have as a child mm -hmm. that now it's just like, Oh, a little side hobby. No, bro. If you want to be great, be great. Like if you want to be good at it now that you have the discipline, now that you understand the process and you're willing to, to work, I am, I am willing to work and practice. And I'm like, well then do it. Show, show the world. Like you don't, don't let age stop you. Yeah. And so, yeah, the process has been, um, it, it's like you said, nobody knows what it takes to get, here they don't know the pain they don't know the divorce they don't know the shame they don't know all that um but it, it takes a lot you don't we see people on social media that ain't the whole story it's not <laughs> and i think it's very encouraging to hear you say you know at 37 it's like oh i'm i'm i am actively living my dream mm. and like excited about dreaming more as mm -hmm. a woman i think you know some of my friends they've been males they've said things especially in the dating er arena um, along the lines of, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's another 24 year old rolling out every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like that fueled my insecurity of like being in my thirties or like getting older in my twenties mm -hmm. and, and, uh, feeling like, okay, well like love's not going to happen. Marriage is not going to happen. Partnership is not going to happen. You know, motherhood is not going to happen. And so I actively had to embrace that it is okay to be, it is okay to age that is actually a that. blessing coming, mm -hmm. um, being a woman, being a black woman in particular, being a black person in general, aging is a blessing, right? When I look at so many of my wow. brothers that share my skin tone and they're wanting to get to 18 and wanting to get to 25 based upon what types of environments they're in. And so reframing myself of like my age comes with wisdom. Yeah. If I will choose to learn and surround myself with lovely people, um, that I want to get better and not bitter. Uh, something, uh, Miss um, Miss Pirelli. Um, she is a mentor of mine at Baylor. She is the wind beneath a lot of my wings. She she's really helped with sustain me and get me through Baylor. But she said, you know, sweetie, one of the things because I was having a really rough time. It was a I was going through a uh, I had really liked someone and it just wasn't going well yeah. and um, I was not my best self. And she was like, what you want from life is for situations to make you better and not bitter. And at the time, I just would I would keep saying those things. I was acting out of bitterness, though I will not lie. <laughs> um, but but I I love that she shared that piece of advice with me because 
bitterness, once you address the pain and you sit with it, to mm. me, bitterness is lazy. So mm. I'm not going to share on this call, but I got some dis disappointing news mm -hmm. yesterday. And I don't mm. know when this is going to air. And um, I turned off my phone and I, you know, let people know, you know, hey, this is what happened. Right. Turned off my phone for a second. Uh, did like a little rage cry. I'm real dramatic. So it's just like, I'm not like, I don't hold grudges. I just get real mad for a second real yes. fast and then go to sleep and the next day it's like, I'm better. Um, but I turned back on my phone and uh, realized that I was disappointed, but I tried to identify like, what was I actually disappointed about? Mm -hmm. Was it an opportunity? Was it the chance to help? Like, what is this situation really telling me? Bitterness is, is lazy to me. As someone that operated in bitterness, it's like, no, if you have pain, right, and you're sitting with your pain and you are allowing yourself the beauty of resting and relaxation, mm -hmm. you need to turn that energy into In Search of Freedom, right? So yeah. I referenced some things in In Search of Freedom. In Search of Freedom was super duper raw. Mm -hmm. um, I talked about our um, late superintendent for WISD, uh, <sighs> you Dr. Got Marcus me, You got Nelson. me in the, in the throat with that one. I, I did. I don't even know if I was allowed to say his name. I'm surprised no one's suing me. Um, and I said, no. rest in peace to Dr. A. Marcus Nelson with the poem pedestals, because so much of, um, so much of life to me, this is something else I needed to divorce myself from was earning people's, like uh, value and their respect. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, I, I used him as an example of just like, what is it like to walk a world and because of what you do and what you produce, and it's not just him. Mm -hmm. I've seen this in a lot of people, but mm -hmm. we see how people are great, right? Hope's doing wonderful things. Yeah. She's making a lot of money. The breakup baddie is successful, da 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 We're singing her praises, right? Right. And then the next moment she does one thing, being a human, and then it's just like a fall from grace. Yeah. Not saying that people don't, you have consequences for your actions, so yeah. please don't hear me say that. But also in thinking of, Someone who, to me, from my limited perspective, gave mm -hmm. their life mm. to try to transform and positively impact the life trajectory of kids. Thousands, that is what I hundreds. thought about Dr. A. Marcus Nelson from my limited scope was yeah. that he cared, that he was passionate, and he was yeah. going to do what he needed to do. Yeah. At the same time, pedestals, we can't put people on pedestals. And someone very close to me now told me, I'm proud of you. And I made the comment, I said, what have I done for you to be proud of me for, yeah, yeah. you know? And um, he says, I'm proud of you for existing, what? <laughs> and he looked at me like, duh. Yeah. But I really, that really sat with me. And I was just like, ah, oh, I really love and appreciate him for telling me this because so much of what we feel like value is and people being proud of us and loving us is yeah. what we can do for them. Yeah. And so having Not that unconditional are. love of like, I, I'm just proud of you in general. Like, I'm proud of you for stepping out on faith. I'm proud of you for just sitting across from me mm. and just sharing time with me, right? Um, but pedestals, when I wrote about that, it was from heartbreak because it's like, right, we, we pride ourselves on all these achievements. Mm. And then us being human, mm. people will throw those achievements out the door, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, yeah. you can do all these wonderful things and it's like you make a mistake, which heaven forbid, we're going to make mistakes. I'm not going to judge anyone's mistake. No. I'm just going to say that when we put humans on pedestals, you fall from them every time yeah. you fall from grace. And that is how I feel like you do gauge who genuinely loves you, who genuinely is proud from you. Cause in, in spite of the fact that you've done this thing right here, mm. I'm going to support you. Yeah. Um, and going back to the bitterness and being lazy, I'm not going to be bitter because I know I'm going to make mistakes. It's channeling that energy into putting, putting that into something, whether that's you say you're doing life coaching, right? Mm -hmm. Supporting women through things that you've come yeah. through to me, that's not being bitter. That's being better. better. Yeah.
And sometimes you do. You have to sit in the sadness yes. and the pain. And yes, sometimes it does manifest itself as bitter. But the fastest you can get out of that bitterness yeah. and head towards better. Yeah. You got to let it run through you. It's like yeah. so much of, because I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Okay. And so you like to have fun, I right? Do. That's we the like seven. <laughs> yeah. We like, we enjoy a good feel. I'm, I'm also from Happy Southwest feelings. Louisiana. Yeah. I'm Cajun. <laughs> like, and I think all Cajuns are seven. Is that conflict avoidant too? Like sevens don't really like. Nines are really conflict avoidant. Okay. It's sevens nines, are okay. like silver lining. Yeah. So we'll, like, let's so see the good thing in we'll this. We'll avoid conflict by always seeing the positive in something. Right. Um, nines will avoid it by like, they will remove themselves <laughs> from the room. <laughs> But, like, my eight wing means that I'm willing to confront on, things boss. whenever yeah, it. it's necessary. Yeah, yeah, so people yeah. assume, and I have my, my rising yeah. sign is Leo, but I'm a Pisces. Come on, Leo. So I'm, like, Big very Leo watery. <laughs> so people see this leader who's, like, my eight wing, which is, uh -huh. you know, challenge or blah, 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 when they don't realize that my cancer moon, which is, like, deeply emotional, deep yeah. that mother, mama bear, yeah. sensitive feeling, Pisces, in which my sun sign, I'm, like, I just want to be at home with my Aww. crystals and, you yeah. know, like, talk to the moon. But all people <laughs> see who don't know me is this Leo external yeah. and the eight because I'm having a challenge a lot. Like I'm a big sister. And so I'm like, and I grew up in an, in, in a, an abusive home. So I'm like, I've always had to protect others. And so a lot of, I think a lot of people who criticize me don't realize I said this before, whenever I was publicly criticized in a forum is that I said, you know, a lot of people will, will, will chastise me or whatever, but it's until your child needs help until you, if you're working in one of these schools or if your child's in one of these schools, or whatever, and you need an advocate or they're in the criminal, they're in the jail and they're not getting what they need or whatever. Then you call me, then you yeah. love me. I was like, that's fine. And I dismissed it. And I went on with my, what we were talking about in the forum, but that's always been the case for me is that like, I am deeply misunderstood because I have always advocated and fought and everything, but my true nature is just good times. Like my yeah. true nature is just like, let's just be happy. And so I think I feel feelings very deeply, but as a seven, I cut them short because people think sevens like don't feel, we do. We just don't process them fully. We just go immediately to think and do. So how am I going to fix it? Social worker. Yeah. How am I going to fix the suffering? How am I going to stop the pain? Yeah. Um, but what I had to learn was that I had to feel my feelings wholly and completely let it like cry, whatever the crying's not going to kill you. You're not going to die. Yeah. I, really, I really, I really thought I was going to drown in my tears yeah, yeah. because the sorrow and the grief was so deep because it's a lifetime of me being a kid, um, all the traumas and, and stuff like that. And just like being a highly sensitive person an empath and everything I've absorbed, I've witnessed people have shared a lot with me, even yeah. in this town. I've only been here since Oh nine. I've been doing advocacy and activism since like 2012 and school board stuff since 2020. And like just the stories that people shared that I was like, I had to grieve a lot that was mine and other people's and then make that sustainable to where like, instead of cutting things short when I feel them, now, if I need a moment, if I need to go sit with it, if I need to go in my car, whatever, I let things come as they come instead of just like silver lining, silver lining, silver lining, tough, 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 strong, strong, strong. Um, Cause that cancer, you know, people that hard outer shell, I'm like, everything I do is motivated out of love. And um, I think we just don't see that a lot from people, yeah. um, that that motive. Um, and so we, we kind of judge people who have passionate responses to things. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it, it'll it'll fatigue you real quick to yeah. be so angry. But even if it's righteous anger, you know, no shade on anger. Man, anger is a motivator. But you still, it's not sustainable to just be angry. You know, I, I want to be, like you said, motivated from self-love, community love, care, all that. I want, I don't want, because um, like I'm teaching my kids, I don't want them to wait 
until they've stuffed things down and then they explode. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want you to speak your truth as it happens. I want you to stand up as it comes and uh, feel your feelings as they happen. And so, uh, yeah, I just, I, 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 I'm sometimes hard on myself, you mm-hmm. know, as a parent, aren't we all? Yeah. And, um, but realizing when you step back and look with the type of parenting, well, for me, that I received and then what I'm passing on, it might not be perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better. And so um, my kids, they both, they go see a therapist every other week. (laughs) And there's no shame around therapy. There's no shame around your feelings. There's no, so I'm like, well, the the only thing I did right is to tell my kids that, you know, they shouldn't, they don't need to hide from therapists. And that's good because that's one thing that we did not get. You know, shout out to Tony and Barbara because I stayed in a social worker or therapist office early. I did. They, they, I will say, I will give that to my parents that they, we're trying to figure out, like, hey, why is she sitting up under the desk? Like, why they, you know, there was a certain point I was hyperactive. And so it's like, okay, do we have to put her on medicine? What's the best way? You know, my mom talks about taking the dye out of my food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like, so <laughs> trying to figure out, like, how do we give this kid what they need to thrive? Because they are struggling a little oh, bit. We're um, not meant for the school setting. That, that's the, the <laughs> we're not meant to sit in desks. Yeah. We're not meant for the, the product to the girl. We'll go on a whole nother topic about yeah. <laughs> capitalism and obsession yeah. with productivity and profit and white supremacy culture lord have mercy but yeah you need to come back on yeah because we have so much to talk about i, I mean because you you're creative and from a very young age i'm sure like they always try to figure out what's wrong with us yeah. well what's wrong with us is that we're not meant to be on this conveyor belt <laughs> you know through public education but that's neither here nor there yeah no that's important though it is so if there's creatives out there and you've always felt a little weird, you got in trouble in school or, <laughs> you know, that there's nothing wrong there's with you. Wrong. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that. yeah, I'm neurodivergent and I want to create um, just these things. And I think like TikTok and other places like young people are doing that mm-hmm. where they're more open yeah. about their, whether it's their diagnoses or just their self-diagnosis and mm-hmm. stuff. But just letting us all just be who we are yeah. and like stop trying the binaries and the boxes and the like just love who you are and, and use it your pain for power and purpose i love that use your yeah. pain for power and purpose and yeah i saw that in here and i was like man <laughs> it's it's so true because um i think so many people that well you've already said it people there's been some great things that have been done in our world because people turn their pain into power and to change so um I will say, oh, God, time flies when you're having fun, man. <laughs> I'm so glad you came on the show. If there's one nugget, which you've already dropped some some truth bombs on us, what is, if there's one piece of advice or a mantra or a slogan that you would give to the listeners today, what would you say? Wow. I can let you, yeah. Something that maybe if you have like a quote hanging up in your house or something. Um, I really like you have not because you ask not. Mm. Um, as someone that struggles with asking for help and surrounded by a lot of wonderful people that also, I think, struggle, um, your opportunity is literally on the other side of fear. I guess that's a that's a saying. But asking people for help, you know, if you're wanting to start a podcast, being mature enough and setting your ego aside to ask, mm. hey, Hope, how did, can I take you to coffee sometime? Can mm-hmm. I treat you to a meal, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm also like... Equal exchange. Yeah, equal exchange, right? I I do feel like pay the people for their time, you know, or and or just like make something worth people's time. But like, hey, would you, how did you start Rogue Media, right? Or like even we were having a conversation, um, the owner of this uh, about, you know, opportunities coming up. And it's, if you've never asked the question of like, hey, this is something I'm interested in. Do you know who could help me? You know how I could get here? Or, you know, just there's money, right? Just little things of like, 
grant money and opportunities. Yeah. They're sitting there, but people don't have enough. Even if they're aware of them, they just don't have the courage to mm. potentially be rejected. That part. So we reject, strike ourselves out before Anybody we can even get out. Do. Yeah, before you can even get an idea off the ground. And so just you have not because you ask not. You mm. want something ask for it right and the main people that you want to raise your eyebrows at and be envious or jealous of those are probably the main people who you need to slide (laughs) in their dm and be like hey can i take you to eat because you're killing it Mm. and i potentially am a fan and just would wonder if you could share some things with me and if they say hey here's my coaching program and i do x y and z blah 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 blah. you say thank you for your time you look at the coaching and see hey is this something i could afford you know right. so those are the next step but like yeah, yeah you have not because you ask not ask for help ask yes. the people for what you want you never know somebody is so willing to give you something but you haven't asked for mm-hmm. it put that ego aside put the ego aside man well thank you so much for coming on yeah. i feel like we just sat down to talk yeah. but um yeah if y'all have loved this episode which i'm sure you did go and follow tony on all of her socials check out uh be sure to show up at her next show or are you still doing those community events like safe spaces yeah so we're still doing safe space at my friend's barber shop on sundays from two to four um but also i have a couple things rolling out in september so just follow me on instagram better watch its own b-e-t-t-a-w-a-t-c-h-y-a-t-o-n-e on instagram where you can keep up with me and then if you follow me on facebook it's my first name so t-o-n-e-e-b the B is for baddie. No, the B, the, the <laughs> baddie. B is for Brienne. Uh, Shelton, S-H-E-L-T-O-N. And it's got my Gmail. If you're ever interested for having me moderate a panel or do some spoken word or even just some public speaking. Yes. Um, I've done some impromptu speech writing. I've done a lot of different writing, right? And I'm just excited to connect with other people. And again, Hope, I want to take this time to say thank you to you. Yeah. I'm very much so impressed by all that you do, whether I say something or not. Um, I know that it's very difficult being... Mm-hmm a person that goes against the grain, right, and standing up for what they believe in. And so Mm -hmm. I admire your strength, and I will continue to support you. Um, And you are a role model for a lot of people desiring to live an authentic life. So just wanted to say that. That means so much. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. And if you have any questions, um, ideas, concerns, I would say if if, if you're going through something and you're like, Hope, is this something that – maybe I need to break up with or how do I break up with it or have you been through it or whatever you want us to talk about on the show, send in suggestions, ideas, comments to the breakup baddie, B-A-D-D-I-E at gmail.com. And I'd love to, you know, if you want us just like any other, those dating old school dating talk shows, yeah. whatever, <laughs> where they would read your story at like 10 PM late at night on the radio and they tell you some dating advice. Well, I'll do like a little mini, um, like the breakup baddie coaching. It's kind of like where an open coaching call where people get to witness, kind of the my style and 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 how um i help people work through some of those we ask a lot of questions so yeah. just I, I like to stay curious and i like to ask questions about like and help you dig deeper into maybe why you're in certain situations or why you're still um stuck in a habit or a cycle and then you know i like to regard people as the expert in their own situation in their own life and just help you kind of look inward to find those answers but hit me up at the breakup baddie at gmail.com and on all social platforms at the breakup baddie but y'all enjoy whatever day it is if it's the weekend for you too happy friday if not y'all have a great week and we will see you on the next one bye bye Subscribe to the Breakup Baddie podcast now, available anywhere you get your podcasts.
Find me on all social media platforms at The Breakup Baddie or email thebreakupbaddie at gmail.com. It's time to break free and unleash your true potential. Remember, the power to change your life is in your hands. So let's do this. Let's do this.